So Chumash Devarim marches on, and we are at the concluding uh, parshas. And this week we have the two parshas of Nitzavim and Vayelech. And let us begin at the beginning of Nitzavim. And what, what struck me particularly about the discussion that we are uh, about to embark upon is just how many times uh, I had read the psukim that we'll be looking at and never really paid attention to the matter that we will uh, discuss the particular question. <coughs> and that is the beginning, the very opening two verses of Parshas Nitzavim. It's difficult really to describe um, so precisely what the beginning of Nitzavim is about. The Jewish people are gathered together to enter into a covenant, into a bris, <coughs> perhaps apropos to seal the covenant of the Tochacha, which we had in last week's Parsha, or maybe in some way uh, a separate bris. But either way, the first two Sukkim detail exactly all of the groups and strata that are assembled. And, and so we begin. Perikav test, posuk test. That's how Nitzavim starts. Atem Nitzavim hayom kuchem, lefnei Hashem elokeichem. You are all gathered here before Hashem. And this really, in a sense, accentuates the point, because if it starts by saying kulchem, and kulchem is all of you, all of you, by definition, includes everyone. So to proceed to then mention all the groups they've already been mentioned <coughs> with the word kulchem. And yet, they are mentioned by name. Roshechem, shivteichem, your heads, the heads of your, of your tribes. Zikneichem, vishotreichem, your elders, your <coughs> uh, policers. Kol ish Yisrael, every man. Tapchem, neshechem, your children, your wives. Vigercha asheb bekerabachanecha, the converts. Mechotei veitzecha, v'adcho ev meimecha from the ewers of wood until the drawers of water. This final group are very interesting. The ewers of wood and the drawers of water, especially as <coughs> normally when one, ever, when one hears from this group to this group, one would assume that we're covering the entire spectrum, or at least a spectrum. Hard to say just how much of a slice of society lies between the ewers of wood and the drawers of water, they seem to be very close together. So they're hardly poles apart. Uh, and uh, certainly to say, you know, they don't really represent seemingly that many people. And that's why Rashi actually explains that these ewers of wood and drawers of water were a specific group of people. And they had come, they were Canaanites, in fact, and they tried, through something of a ruse, to present themselves as other and to convert to Judaism, to Torah. And very similar, as Rashi himself says, to what will later on become the, the Givonim, the Gibeonites, who also made themselves out to be a different nation. And then they asked uh, Yeshua to accept them, even though they're really from the Canaani. When Moshe did accept them, <coughs> however... Uh, as a penalty, so to speak, for, their, for the ruse, uh, he, he put them to work in the very, very uh, menial tasks, uh, etc. What was wood chopped for in the Midbar? I'm not sure, but either way. So 
So these are the, the, the ewers of wood and the, and the carriers of water. What is the point that uh, will become s such a, a, an interesting question for us? Towards the end of the Torah's list of these groups, it shifts. The reference shifts from Loshan Rabim to Loshan Yachid. And as soon as that's pointed out, of course, it's staring us in the face. Because all of the first pasuk is in the plural. Roshechem, Shivtechem, you, plural, your heads, etc. Ziknechem, Shetrechem, Kol Ish Yisrael. Each, everyone. Tapchem, Neshechem, your children, your wives. All, all, Loshon Rabim. And then, Toch Kedei, Vegercha, and your convert. Asher Bekerv Machanecha, Mechotev Eitzecha. The final groups are referred to in the singular. It's very interesting. Once you mention it, it's very compelling. Why not continue with the consistency? That is the question. And sometimes it takes a great man to uh, alert us to something rather straightforward. And all the better if he has what to say about it, and such a person is none other than the Meshachachma. <coughs> and Meshachachma begins by asking the basic question, the background question. What is the difference between if the Torah addresses the Jewish people, Beloshan Rabim, or Beloshan Yachid? What difference does it make? What's the difference in connotation? What's the difference in uh, intimation? And here, the explanation of Meshachachma will echo that of the Vilna Gaon. We've seen this in the past from the Gaon, actually on this week's Parsha. <coughs> and that is as follows. It is possible to, to relate, to perceive the Jewish people in one of two capacities. They are an assembly of a great number of people. They are the sum of their parts. And all of those people together are the people. But... From, a, from another point of view, they are not many. They are one. They're one entity. The entity is, comprises many, many parts. But it is one entity. And this now is the difference between if the Torah speaks Belosh and Rabbim. When the Torah addresses the Jewish people in the plural, it's, it's addressing a mass of people. And there's many, many people there. And accordingly, <coughs> the Torah uses the plural form. But sometimes the Torah will address the Jewish people as one entity, as one concept called Yisrael, the Jewish, the Jewish people. The question is, <coughs> what causes the Jewish people to become this one entity? And there's many, many, of course, we're not going to go into all of the cases, but once you uh, are alert to this idea, go through Chumash, and now consider and pay attention to when the Torah addresses the Jewish people in the plural and in the singular. But for our purposes, Meshachachman says something very interesting. And that is that he, he gives a mashal. The Jewish people, they're like rays of light that emanate in all different directions from the same origin, from the same source. So now the question is, are these rays of light 
or beams of light, are they connected to each other? They're all over, they're in all different directions. Are they connected to each other? The answer is they are connected to each other to the extent that they have a common source. When you trace them back to that one source and they all, as one, come from that source, that's what connects them to each other. And what he means to say is <coughs> the fundamental unity of the Jewish people is that they're all connected to Hashem. They all have this special connection as you are children to Hashem your God. And because we're all, we all connect back to that one source, capital S, our common connection gives us a commonality with each other. That is the higher understanding of Jewish unity. The Jewish people are one because they derive specifically from one, capital O, again. So, so this is why the Pasuk begins, says Meshachachma, by, by describing all of the groups. Because the Jewish people are groups, and there's many of them. It's true. But what's interesting is the key words in this opening Pasuk are the words, Lifnei Hashem Elokeichem. If, if a lot of Jews are standing around, that's a lot of Jews standing around. But if the Jews are standing before Hashem, that is to say, they are accentuating and further actualizing their connection with Hashem, so something amazing happens. And that is from all of those plurals, they begin to coalesce into one unity called, called Yisrael. What turns the Jewish people from the many to the one? It's if they are lifnei Hashem elokeichem. And the, of course, in seasonally uh, significant words for, for the times that we are headed towards, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the motif of Yom Kippur is lifnei Hashem titaru. And therefore, all of these groups, they may start out as groups, but because they're lifnei Hashem, they become one entity. And that's why when, we, when we're... Two words into to the second pasuk, to pasuk yud, it can then speak about gercha if we if we catch the nuance, because the gerim are not born into the Jewish people; they come to attach themselves to the Jewish people, and therefore, by the time we've mentioned the first two f- words in pasuk yud, which is all of the groups of natural born Jewish people, you have they have become one entity. To that entity, gerim can be attached, but that is called gercha. And also those ewers of wood and carriers of water, which are also gayrim of sorts. They're not our favorite gayrim, but they also are attaching themselves sho'ev me'mecha and chotev eitzecha. So <coughs> I think the central idea of Meshachachma here is really so thought-provoking in terms of the idea, that the, the connection between the man and God connection and man and man connection. One comes from the other. As if to say that the more the Jewish people, and so much to think about there, the more the Jewish people realize and actualize their connection to Hashem, the more they then develop their connection to each other. And the truth is, <coughs> this is not the first time the Meshachachma has stated this idea in his commentary on the Chumash. A few weeks earlier, in Parshas Vaischanan, and this is a pasuk that we will say in Slichos, which we're going to start in a few days. It's one of those in the series of Psukim before Shema Koneinu. So we quote the pasuk, Uvikashtem misham es Hashem elokecha umatsasa. 
Kisa Drashenu, Bechol Levavcha, Ovechol Nafshecha. That's one of those, those psukim that we say. And here too, says Meshachachma, you can say this pasuk many times and never notice that it's shifted halfway through from the plural to the singular. Uvikashtem, Misham. Vikashtem is in the plural. You plural. So then, for consistency, what, again, one would have expected, Uvikashtem, Misham, Es Hashem Elokeichem, Umetzasem. And lo and behold, it shifts from Bikashtem Misham and it moves towards Hashem Elokecha Umatsasa in the singular. Says Meshachachma, exactly the same idea. Because when the Jewish people are in a state that they need to seek out Hashem, that means they're distant from Hashem. And if they're distant from Hashem, so they're all over the place and they're not even fully connected to each other. And they are accordingly addressed in the plural as they begin their journey of Ubi Kashtem. If they're in a state that they need to seek out Hashem, so they are in the plural as is Bikashtem. But as the Bikush begins, as the, as the seeking out begins, what happens? That itself now unites them. Because as they move towards, it moves to the singular. Because that, that seeking out itself unites them. And they become this one entity. So once again, the, the similar idea. I think what, what we need to contemplate further uh, is, is really what emerges now as what you could call the symbiosis between the Ben Adam Lamakam connection and Ben Adam Lachavero connection. I, I think it's, 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 it goes both ways <clears throat> in the sense that we're much more familiar with the idea with, that when the Jewish people are, have achdus between them, when they're united between them, so then that brings the Shechina closer to them. That's a concept that we've spoken about many times, right? When the Jewish people are united as one, the Shechina is closer to them. But that sounds like the cause and effect relationship it means it starts with the Jewish people getting to themselves together, and that brings Hashem closer. Here, we see, in a sense, the other side of the coin, whereby we say that if the Jewish people bring themselves closer to Hashem, that brings them closer to each other. And of course, it could be that Elu ve'elu. In other words, these are ever reinforcing and, and, and uh, elevating <coughs> levels of the, of the connection of these two planes, Ben Adam la Makom and Ben Adam la Chaveru. So much, much food for thought, just to turn a phrase uh, halfway through the, the second pasuk of the Parsha, and we're already dealing with very, very uh, significant and uh, thought-provoking topics. Well, a few psukim later, moving on, we find that Moshe is still addressing the Jewish people, and he, within the course of his words, addresses a possibility that may exist, a notion that might exist among the people. And that is, this is Pasuk Yud Zion and Pasuk Yud Ches. And we'll see the Psukim just to get the grounding and, and see what there is to, to comment on them. Says Moshe, in, again, lest there be among you, which means there could be among you, isha, isha, man or woman, a mishpacha, or shevet, family perhaps, maybe a tribe. Perhaps you, you, you might, there might be someone here <coughs> whose heart is turning away from Hashem. Could be. Maybe he's more interested in Avodah Zarah. That's 
That's easier. Life is easier for, 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 for if you do Avodah Zarah. Now, what about everything that we're saying? We've just been through a tochacha, which has dire consequences for not keeping the mitzvahs. So what will he make of all of that? Well, as we know, the Pasuk proceeds to describe. Moshe proceeds to uh, describe Pasuk Yudches. And it will be, or maybe, when he hears this curse, and the curse presumably refers to all the curses in the Tochacha, in, in last week's parsha. So how will you re- relate, to, relate to that? It could be that he will, if we translate literally, will bless himself in his heart, saying, Shalom Yeli, I'll be fine. Kibishvirusli bi'elech. <clears throat> I'll, I'll do as my heart desires. The, the common translation of shirirus is strength. That is why lahato shiririm are, are muscles. So bishirus means if, if I desire something, if my heart desires something strongly enough, so then I'll follow it and I won't, I won't have to worry about, about anything else. Says Moshe, that's a mistake. Don't think that. But we're left wondering, <coughs> how could a person think that? In other words, we assume that this person, he understands what's being said to him. He understands the terms and conditions <coughs> of the Tokucha. And the Tokucha says, if you abandon the mitzvahs, terrible things will happen. And, and, and yet somehow this person, and, and it's a real concern. If it wasn't, Moshe wouldn't be talking about it. That, 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 that the possibility exists that he'll hear the Tochucha and somehow think that he'll be fine. What, where does that come from? Is he absolutely so thick-skinned and, um, and so insensitive to... So where, where does that feeling come from? In brief, how can you hear the Tochucha and still feel that you'll be okay even if you don't keep everything in, in the Tochucha? So the Ksava Kabbalah, Rabbi Yaakov to Mecklenburg, explains, and we'll start with him, we'll see a similar idea seemingly in the Rambam, and then, and then we'll put it together. The Ksavah Kabbalah says that the, that the words Shalom Yehiyeli, I'll take the path of peace. And what this means is that a person might, he might make his peace with the Torah, as if to say, I'm aware of all the rules, I'm aware of all the mitzvahs, I know the do's and don'ts, but for me, the derech, ha-shalom, the way of peace, is things that I am at peace with, things that, that I resonate with, things that speak to me, things that I can identify with. Those are the ones I'll take, and, and, and I'll be fine. And the thinking behind it is, presumably for this person, is that the, all of the rules are there for, perhaps for people who who aren't such thinking people, but for a discerning individuals such as myself, I will be able to choose the ones that suit me, that are good for me, and, uh, and, and that's how I'll proceed. I'll mention already at this stage that in order for a person to think that, they have to have a great deal of confidence in their own perception in their own understanding. Because really what this person is saying is, <clears throat> if you have minimal understanding, you'll need all the rules. But if you have optimized understanding, if you have higher vision, you'll know which mitzvahs are the ones that you really need to do, the ones that resonate, the ones that I can identify with. What gives you the ability 
to, to make that decision, even, even in his own mind? The answer is, Bishrirusli bi eilech. Shrirusli bi says the Ksava Kabbalah, and as we know, this is one of the specialties of the Sefer HaKsava Kabbalah, is the awareness of all of the possibilities of what a word could mean. We have translated Shrirus as strength. That is to say, if I desire something strongly, even if it's wrong, I'll do it. But the Ksava Kabbalah says no. Shrirus doesn't come from strength. It comes from the word Lashur. And what does Lashur mean? <coughs> it means to see. It's a word that we sometimes use. Not so often, but even in, the, in, in Davening. In Mizmur Shiliyah Mashabas, Vatabet Eni Bishurai. I look at those who are scrutinizing me. <coughs> Lashur means to look at something. So Bishurirusli be, says Aksava Kabbalah, means I follow the vision of my heart. I trust my heart's vision. Bishurirusli be, what my heart sees, I will take as being correct. And there is a further, a further nakuda here. The word lashur, and we've seen it, ashurenu uh, velokarov, alishur, it all means to see. Here, if the word is lashur, then why not say bishirusli bi, or bishirusli bi, that's lashur. The, the root letter of the race is doubled over. Bishirusli bi. What ha- what? What does it denote when the root letter of a word is doubled over? It always denotes high intensity. The doubling over means there's a a lot going on here. It's not just an easy thing. Where do we see this? Interestingly, for a point of uh, illustration, if we recall, in the beginning of Parshas Vayetze, towards the beginning, so Yaakov, uh, he's come to Haran, and he comes to the well, and there's, a, there's a, 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 an enormous stone on top of the well, because everyone needs to get together. All of the shepherds get together. <coughs> Why does it say Golalu with two lamids? I mean, the, the, there's only one lamid as a root letter, but it's doubled over, denoting what? It was an effort. And they really had to put their shoulders into it, all of them, to get this stone off the mouth of the well. And that intensity is denoted by the doubling over of the lament. Golalu. Contrast that with how Yaakov removes the stone a couple of sukkim later. Because when Yaakov sees Rachel, so he approaches the well, and what does it say? Vayagal, it's heaven. Removed it. With them it said Golalu. Doubled over the lamad with Yaakov, Vayakov. Rashi says, because it was like taking a, bo- a bottle cap off the, off the bottle. For him, it required no effort. And if it required no effort, so the lack of intensity is denoted by just the, just the one lamad. And that's a very uh, interesting and helpful illustration of this idea, the contrast between uh, Golel and, and Vayigal. Why the wrapping of the Torah is called Galila? That I'm not entirely sure. It might uh, depend on who's doing Galila. But either way, <coughs> this, is the, this is the concept. And 
Therefore, back to Bishirirusli be. Here is a person who has, has such outstanding confidence in his perception, in his vision. My heart sees with supervision. Bishirirusli be. My lashur, the way I see things, it's so intense, I cannot fail. I will always get the mitzvahs that are the ones that one really needs to do. And I trust my vision implicitly and totally. That's the problem. Now, <coughs> Moshe will go on to say, that's a terrible mistake. But the truth is, the mistake is already can be found in, in the Pasuk itself. Let's go back again to Pasuk Yudches, to, 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 to sweep through again. When he hears this curse, he'll bless himself in his heart, saying, Shalom Yali, peace will be with me, ki bishrirusli bi eilech. I will go, as we're translating, with the vision of my heart. What's interesting is, the person's heart has been mentioned twice in this Pasuk. First, when he blesses himself in his heart, and then when he says he'll go as his heart sees fit. But it's not said in the same way. Why? Because the first phrase says, <coughs> the hisbarech bilvavo lemor. So his, the heart is referred to bilvavo, lamed veis veis, bilvavo. The next time we find it, he says, bishrirus libi eilech. Just one base, libi. Not levavi. We started out, the heart had, was lamed base base, levavo. So again, consistently, we see all of these shifts, what they're opening up for us. So it should have said, uh, accordingly, Bishrirus levavi. But it says, no, Bishrirus libi. What's behind that base that went missing? Well, as we know, one of the times when the, our heart is referred to with two bases is in the Shema. Ve'ahavta es Hashem elokecha b'chol levavcha. And Rashi cites, and it's from the Mishnah, in the beginning of the ninth parak of Maseches Brachos, the two bases, Levavacha denotes Bishnei Yitzarecha, with both of your inclinations. So the double over, the doubling over of the two bases is the two aspects of a person's heart, the two Yitzarim. Aha. So now we understand why this person says Bishri Rusli B. Because really what he's saying is, you know why I trust the vision of my heart? Because whatever I see, I only see with one Yetzer, with my Yetzer Tov. That's how good I am. That's how pure my vision is. In other words, most people, when they see, they see bilvavam. It's the vision of their heart. But there's so much Yetzirah there, so then you can't really trust people like that. Those low-level people. But someone like me, I see only with Libi, with my Yetzirah Tov. And that's why my moral compass will never fail me. I can, I can follow it. It's my only guide. And whatever it says, that's what I'll do. So what's interesting is, we see before us what I can only refer to as conservation of Torah matter. By which I mean, you have your vision and your heart. And, and you can only have three letters. Because if you see with both parts of your heart, two bases, so your vision only has one resh. 
because it's normal vision. That's standard. Most people see with both parts of their heart. If you want to remove one of the bases and you only see with your Yetzato, you can add a resh. Shri Rus. So in other words, when, when, when you drop one base from the lave, you can add a resh to, to Shri Rus. If you only see with, with the pure part of your heart, your vision is supervision. Is Shri Rusli B. <coughs> That's really what he's saying. So, and what's wrong with what he's saying? So again, not only is it incorrect because he doesn't really have the right to pick and choose the mitzvahs. But there's a, there's a deeper problem still. Here he is appraising himself as someone who only sees with his Yetzir Tov, Bishri Rusli B. And isn't it easy for a person to, to convince themselves that that is how they look at things? But where does the idea come from? Go back to where it all began. In the, pas- in the, begin- the first phrase in Pasuk Yudches, which said, He'll bless himself with, his, with levavo. But levavo, we saw, is both Yetzirah. Yetzirah Tov and Yetzirah What is that telling you? It's telling you that the notion that a person might have that he only sees with his Yetzirah Tov is coming to him directly from his Yetzirah. And this now is really the nefarious... Uh, <laughs> character of a person's Yetzirah, whereby his greatest success when he really has the person is when he's got the person convinced that the person doesn't have a Yetzirah. Because nothing will now hold him back. And all of that is being funded and funneled directly by the Yetzirah. So his goal is to render himself invisible and then the person is, is hupped for good. And, and all of this, we see the, the delicacy of how the letters are used. One base, two base. And what Moshe is saying is, beware of ever being so convinced that you only see with your, with your, with your, with your Yetzer Tov, with Libi. That may come straight from Levavi. And, 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 and the primary message from the Yetzer So it's, it's really these, these big ideas, again, from the positioning of the letters, certainly <coughs> for the notion that a person sees only with his Yetzer Tov, if I may use the expression in this context, is entirely without basis. And with that in mind, <coughs> we, we move on to, to Parshas Vayelach. Although beforehand, actually, I, d- I did mention that there was a Rambam, um, which we should see. It's very similar to the Ksava Kavona. The end of this section, which is in Pasuk Kavches, is Hanistoros Lashem Elokeinu. Very enigmatic pasuk. That which is hidden is for Hashem. That which is revealed is for us. What does this mean? And the reason why it's so it's such a special thing to quote the Rambam here is because this, <coughs> in terms of the additions that we have, this explanation that we're about to quote from the Rambam is cited in his name by Rabbeinu Bachya in his commentary on the Torah, and it's cited as coming from the Rambam's commentary on the Torah. And that is very interesting because we're, we're not aware of an existing work called the Rambam's Commentary on the Torah. If it ever existed, this is the one fragment that we have, the one comment that we have from Rambam's Commentary on the Torah. I'm sure much uh, investigation and, uh, ha- ha- has gone into to that comment. But either way, Rambam's Commentary on the Torah, as cited by Rabbeinu Bachia, says as follows. <coughs> A person may be inclined... 
What is the meaning of the hidden is for Hashem, the revealed is for us to do? A person may be inclined to, to think, says Rambam, that he understands the essence of the mitzvah. In fact, he understands the, the inner essence of the mitzvah so profoundly and so deeply that he doesn't really need to do the mitzvah anymore. And once again, we see how, how much this has in common with the Ksava Kabbalah, because it is a common fallacy among people to assume that just because you identify with an ideal, that you also embody that ideal. People naturally tend to think that they are as moral as their morals. But of course, there's often a major yawning gap between those. Just because something is in your your dictionary, that doesn't automatically mean that it's in your diary. And the whole program of Torah and mitzvahs is to be sure it's not enough to identify the moral message within the mitzvah. You have to actually do the mitzvah because otherwise maybe you'll never, act, you'll never absorb the moral message. And maybe a good example, just to, just to have mentioned one, <coughs> and this is the famous Al-Sheikh and Parshas Kisaitse, is the mitzvah of Hashavah Saveda, of returning lost property. I don't think there's anyone who doesn't, who doesn't relate to that uh, on, a, on moral terms. That if a person... Uh, you see something and you can give it back to the person that, that you should and it's incredible and it's a wonderful thing. There, there's no one who doesn't relate to the, the concept and the theme and the value. That doesn't make it an easy mitzvah to do. It is still easy to walk by, to ignore it, uh, literally not, not, not to see it. While being fully embracing of the value of giving back lost property, that gap between relating to the ideal and actually embodying it and expressing it and, and, and living it <coughs> is really uh, very keenly illustrated in Ashava Zaveda, but the same is true for, for many, many mitzvahs. And that's why, says the Rambam, Hanistoros Lashem Elokeinu, you need to understand that as much as you feel that you have plumbed the essence of the mitzvah. And don't forget, the Rambam is encouraging of people to, to look into reasons for mitzvahs. Not only in the Mora Nevuchim, where he devotes an entire section of the third of Chele Gimel to going through each mitzvah and providing a reason. Not only in Mora Nevuchim, but even in Mishnah Torah, and in, in more than once, the Rambam states quite clearly a person should, as far as he can, try and understand the reasons for mitzvahs. However, says Rambam, you've got to understand <coughs> that at the end of the day, Whatever your thoughts are and whatever your ideas are, they can never be a substitute for, for the actual mitzvah. And that is the culminating pasuk, hanistoros, that which is hidden within the mitzvah, the secrets of the mitzvah, the essence of the mitzvah, that in the end, that's Lashem Elokeinu. That's for Hashem alone to know, ultimately. Vaniglos, but the revealed aspect of the mitzvah, lano ulevaneinu, laso ad olam, lasos is called divrei atara hazos. So we see that the, the seeming is the point of the uh, departure for Rambam is similar to the, to the Ksava Kabbalah. We're dealing with a person who somehow feels that because he assesses himself of being of higher uh, perceptive faculties, that somehow absolves him from keeping either the rules in this case or those rules or the mitzvahs that he doesn't feel are, are relevant to him or the mitzvahs who, that he feels are relevant to him but he already has absorbed the value and therefore <coughs> uh, he doesn't see, feel himself bound to the mitzvah. To all of these, 
uh, Moshe is, is uh, addressing on this critical uh, formative uh, occasion, and that becomes the legacy of what we know. There is no such thing as a substitute for a person actually embodying and fulfilling and following through on the mitzvah itself. The reason for the mitzvah is always meant to be an enhancement, ideally, for the mitzvah. It can never be a replacement for, for the mitzvah. Um, and that is, that is the Rambam there. So moving now to Parshas Vayelech. And Vayelech, again, a lot to say, even though it is the shortest Parsha uh, in the Torah. Uh, if we take a look in Perik Lamed Aleph, Actually, just uh, looking through, that uh, didn't really rule anything out. The entire Vayelech is Perek Lamed Aleph. But if we have a look at Perek Lamed Aleph, Pasuk Kaf Gimel. <coughs> so we will see... Well, let's read the Pasuk and then we'll... we'll. Pasuk Kaf Gimel. Vayetzav es Yehoshua ben Nun. Again, Perek Lamed Aleph, Pasuk Lamed Gimel. Vayetzav, he uh, charged, commanded, or charged <coughs> Yehoshua ben Nun. Vayome chazak ve'ematz. Be strong. And who are we talking about? Well, seemingly we're talking about Moshe. And Moshe uh, encourages and strengthens Yeshua and says, For you will take B'nai Yisrael, will bring the Jewish people, to the land that I swore to them, and I will be with you. These final words now will, will cause us to reconsider or at least to fine-tune. Why? Because who is talking? Who, who swore the land to, 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 to the others? It's Hashem. Now, the beginning of the Pasuk sounds like it's Moshe talking. And we look at the Pasuk before. So we've been speaking about Moshe so far. So clearly the pronoun he charged Yoshua is Moshe. But the, but the second half of the Pasuk is Hashem talking. So the resolution obviously is that this is Moshe at this, at this juncture talking on Hashem's behalf as, as his prophet, which, of course, lo kambi Yisrael, naviyot kamosha. But you need to just see the, the, the blending of the, of the terminology in, in that pasuk and understand that it's Moshe, but speaking b'shem Hashem, and that's why he will say things such as, as I swore to the fathers, etc. <coughs> okay, but tachlis, what he's saying is, chazak because you will bring the people into the land. That's pasuk kaf gimel. But compare with an earlier Pasuk in this Parsha, namely Pasuk Zion. So let's go to Pasuk Zion, which reads, Vayikra Moshe liyoshua vayomer elav. Moshe calls Yeshua and says to him, Le'inei kal Yisrael chazak ve'ematz. Almost seemingly identical terminology, chazak ve'ematz. Ke'atat tavoresa amazeh el'aretz. You will bring this people to the land. Asher nishpah Hashem la'avosam. Here, very overtly Moshe referring to Hashem in the third person. So it's just, quote-unquote, Moshe giving this, these words of chizuk to, to Yehoshua. Which means Moshe is basically saying to, to Yoshua Chazak ve'ematz twice now, in Pasuk Zayin for the first time, and Pasuk Kaf Gimel the second time. <coughs> Why twice? Having said that, we do note there is one shift which could make a big difference. 
aside from the, the differences that we mentioned. And that is whereas the first Pasuk we quoted, Pasuk Kaf Gimel, says to Yeshua, Ki ata tavi es ha'am, which translates literally as, you will <coughs> bring the people, tavi, causative. In this Pasuk Zion, it says, Ki ata tavo es ha'am hazeh. But what does that mean, tavo es ha'am hazeh? Lahavi is to bring, but lavo is to come. So Moshe is saying to Yeshua, the word es now means with you will come together with these people to the land so that's that's quite actually quite different now tavo es and tavi es are not the same tavo es means you'll come together with them tavi es means you will bring them so which is it and in fact <coughs> the the Gemara in Sanhedrin on Davches, which is quoted by Rashi in Pasuk Zion, says that there's something of a, there is a this discrepancy. Moshe says to Yeshua, <coughs> you will come with them because you will come together with the elders. So in other words, it's not just you. It's you and the Zakeinim. And you should take counsel with them. So in other words, Moshe is saying to Yeshua, you're the leader but you're the leader together with others. And then, says Rashi, quoting the Gemara, but Hashem said differently, so to speak. Hashem said, no, it's just you. Don't come together with others and and then together lead everyone. It's just you. In the words of the Gemara, Dabar Echad Lador, one leader for the generation. Lo Shnei Dabar Lador. Not, not two, and certainly not a committee. So it's just you. So this is very interesting. Again, we're trying to uh, be attentive to the differences in, in, in phraseology between these two psukim. Moshe says you'll come together with them, which we now know means you'll come together with, with, the, with the sages, with the, with the zakenim. And Hashem says it's just you. What are we to make of all of this? It's a machlokas. It's Hashem undoing what, what Moshe said. So the Briska Rav, Rav Soloveitchik, in classic Briska style, resolves everything by saying it's Tzvedin. There are two issues going on here. And when you recognize them and you will see how uh, each of the Psukim is dealing with a different element within the situation. And for one, the word tavo is appropriate, and for the other, the word tavi is appropriate. Where does it all begin? We are familiar with two positions of supreme authority within the Jewish people. The first is melech. If you think supreme authority, you think melech. <coughs> but also, there is the, the, the Rosh Sanhedrin, the head of the of Sanhedria Gadola, the supreme Sanhedrin, is also the leader, ultimately, of the Jewish people. He he is what's called the Nasi. And it's interesting just to see how these two are really h- highlighted side by side in the the bracha that Yaakov gave to Yehuda. Lo yosur shevet mi Yehuda, the scepter shall not depart from Yehuda, and the Mechokek, the one who makes laws, who paskins from his, 
from his descendants. So in other words, you see that these are two institutions, Shevet, the scepter, and Mechokek, the one who makes the, 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 forms the halacha through the Sanhedrin. So, what is the first example that we have of both? The first example that we have of both is the same person. It's Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu <coughs> himself was, of course, the head of the Sanhedrin. He, he was the one that received Torah directly from Hashem. He begins to form the Sanhedrin in Parshas Balosacha when he gathers together those 70 elders, but he is at their head. So Moshe, Torah Tzivah Moshe, he is the first of the, of the Avbezdins. But he also has the status of Melech. It's very interesting to see the Gemara already speaks about him in this way, that... Um, the Pasuk Vayyibishir on Melech is explained by the Gemara as referring to Moshe, and in Maseches Vachim and Kufbeis, it states explicitly that Moshe is Melech in, 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 that, in that setting. When we think of Melech, we think the first of the kings of the Jewish people is Shaul, and then, and then David, and the Malchus based David. But, but the, the essential halachic category of Melech is, already exists within Moshe. And moreover, not only is Moshe the first one to have both of those statuses, Avbezdin and Melech, but the second one is Yehoshua. Yehoshua also combines both. He is, of course, the Avbezdin, as we say in the beginning of Pirkei Avos, Moshe Kibotorim Yisinai, Umesorali Yehoshua. He gave it to Yehoshua as the Avbezdin of the next generation. But he is also has a din of Melech, Yehoshua. We, it's not just, quote-unquote, that he's the leader of the Jewish people. He has the halachic status of Melech. And where do we see this? There is a well-known halacha of Merid B'malchus. Merid B'malchus is Chayav Misa. If a person defies the king or rebels against the king, he's liable to be killed. The source for that well-known halacha of Merid B'malchus is Yehoshua. It's in the end of, of uh, chapter 1 of Yeshua, where the Zakanim say, Kol asher yamre espicha, whoever shall uh, uh, violate your words or, or rebel against your words, Yomus should be put to death. So there are halachas of Melech that are learned from Yehoshua. <coughs> and these now are the two institutions, Avbezdin and Melech, the two institutions of supreme authority. What is the difference between these two institutions. Two key differences. Number one, how the person is appointed. And number two, how he operates. In terms of how he's appointed, we know that a melech can only be appointed or anointed as king by a navi. All of the, of the, the beginnings of the, of the dynasties of the, uh, of the, of the malchus began with Nevoah. Shmuel was the one. How does Shaul become a king? Shmuel anoints him as the Navi. How does David become king? Shmuel anoints him. And then that, that opens up the, the Malchus based David. Sometimes if it got, uh, had to be jump-started or, <coughs> or, or whatever. The appointment of, of someone as an Avbezdin, on the other hand, it doesn't require a Navi. Who is qualified to appoint someone as Avbezdin? Presumably someone who himself is an Avbezdin, who, who knows how to see someone that is that is uh, uh, correct material for the Avbezdin, but he doesn't need to be a Navi. 
So that's very interesting. The appointment of these two individuals. For Melech, you need a Navi to appoint. For Avbezdin, just an existing Avbezdin is, is, is good enough. That's in terms of how they become those things. And how do they operate? A Melech operates alone. A Melech doesn't need to, to, anything to be ratified. Uh, hopefully he's a good king and he makes the right decisions, but there's no notion that, that he, he, he can decide alone what needs to be done. The Avbezdin can never decide alone. Avbezdin can only decide, he is the most senior of the Sanhedrin, but he can only make a decision that has national implications within the context and together with the Sanhedrin. So having noted all of this, says Rebvelvo Soloveitchik, now we understand <coughs> the two psukim of handing over the reins of leadership to Yoshua. I mean, this is what happens when, when a Soloveitchik learns, learns the Chumash. These two psukim are two different domains. The first pasuk, pasuk Zion, so that is Moshe, and as we saw, Moshe said, Ki tavo es ha'am. Not tavi. Tavo es ha'am. And tavo es ha'am denotes that you are coming together with the people. Now we saw the people means the, the, the other Zakanim. Because this is Moshe uh, appointing Yeshua in what capacity? In the capacity of Avbezdin. And, and as an Avbezdin, Yeshua does not act alone. The Abbasid can never act alone. He acts at the head of the body called the Sanhedrin. And together, they all make things happen. And that's called Tavo Esha'am. Now, this is purely Moshe talking to Yeshua. And when he refers to the land, he refers to it as the one that Hashem promised. Which means Moshe isn't talking as a Navi here. He's not, he's not speaking in, in, in a Nevoah way because he doesn't need to be a Navi in order to do what he's doing. He's, as the existing Avbezdin, he is appointing Yeshua as the next Avbezdin. But then when you come to the second Pasuk later on, Pasuk Kafkimol, so then everything's different. There it says Tavi. But why does it say Tavi? Because this is the appointment of Yeshua to the second institution, namely the institution of Melech. If it's Melech, the Melech is, uh, acts by himself. He doesn't come together with others. He brings everyone in. But because the second Pasuk, Pasuk Kav Gimel, <coughs> is Moshe appointing Yeshua as Melech, that is why we see that Moshe speaks on Hashem's behalf, which means he must be speaking with the spirit of prophecy, because it is only as a prophet that he's able to appoint Yeshua as the king. So these, this is how the, all of these uh, diukim and diktukim in the, in the Psukim uh, each one al mekamo yavo b'shalom. The more we pay attention to these things, the more we have through the medium of the, of the classic mafarshim the ability to do justice to them. <coughs> I will mention while we're on the topic of Yeshua as Melech, although we'll see it kind of falls between the psukim. This idea will also explain to us something else. We are in a post Shemitah year. And on the Sukkot of, of post-Shemitah year, there's a mitzvah called Hakel, for the king to read the Sefer Torah, on Cholamot Sukkot, which we've already passed. But, uh, and that Pasuk of Hakel is mentioned in this week's Parsha. It's mitzvah number 612. 613 is to write a Sefer Torah, but 612 is the mitzvah of Hakel. And what's it all about? As the Pasuk says, uh, in, in Perig Yud, in Perig Yud Aleph, after on Chagasukos, after the Shemitah year, when everyone comes, Pasuk Yudbeis, Hakelis Ha'am, gather everyone together, 
and, and the, the, the public reading of the Sefer Torah. Who reads the Sefer Torah on Hakel? Everyone knows. It's the king. The king reads. How do we know? What's the source? The, does the Torah ever say, the king shall read? We've had the Torah d- describing the mitzvahs of the king. Hakel wasn't there. Hakel is here. Says the Chizkuni, look at Pasuk Yud Aleph. Moshe is talking now. And Moshe says, Bevo kol Yisrael. So as a transmitter of a mitzvah, of course, Moshe on Hashem's behalf. Bevo kol Yisrael Hashem When the entire Jewish people come to, to, be, to have this encounter with Hashem, meaning on Sukkot, so you read the Torah. So whoever's meant to read the, the Hakel, the Torah in Hakel, is being referred to in this Pasuk Yudalef. But who is that person? Which individual is Moshe talking to? He's, he's been addressing a group. Is there any individual specifically? Go back to Pasuk Zion. The only individual that Moshe has called as an individual in this parsha is Yehoshua. So then, as much as he then addresses the, the Kohen and the Levim, etc., that everyone should come, but if you ever see him talk to an individual and say, and you, the individual, should do this, specifically, it's Yehoshua. Says the Chizkuni, so now you know that, that it's the king who reads on Hakel, because Yehoshua had a din of Melech. Yoshua is the source. This word Tikra, Moshe talking to Yoshua, is the source of that, that it's the Melech that reads in Hakel. So once again, we see a halachic ramification from, from this notion that from a halachic point of view, uh, in essence, Yoshua already had the din of Melech. Just close with a, a very beautiful thought. When it comes to Hakel, and Rashi quotes again, it's from the Gemara in the beginning of Chagiga, because it says, Pasuk Yudbeis Hakel Esa'am Ha'anashim Va'anashim Va'ataf, men, women, and children. Everyone. Men, women, and children. So it's, it's a whole, it's, a, it's, it's the whole uh, people. And the, and the Gemara goes through each one. Why did the men come? Why did the women come? And why did they bring their children? I mean, if, if, if they're looking to, to for, for to be able to hear what the king is saying, I don't know that young children are necessarily best advised. And the Gemara says the reason is the men come to learn, women come to hear, right? Everyone hears in their own way. And what about the children? They're probably not going to be hearing. Little children, tough, tough means little children. What do they come for? Why are they coming? To give sachar for those that bring them. That's very interesting. It sounds like they, the children themselves are not really getting much, but it's sachar for those that bring them. Okay. <coughs> What's interesting about this is that Yehoshua, pardon me, Rabbi Yehoshua, the Gemara then recounts that the certain sages, they visited Rabbi Yehoshua, the, the well-known Rabbi Yehoshua of the Mishnah, and he asked them, what, what did they speak about in the Beis HaMedrash? So initially they kind of, they didn't really make so much of it. And they said, oh, there weren't really many chidushim. And Rabbi Shua said, that's impossible. Ain't based medrash below chidush. If there was a learning session, something new must have come out. So they said, okay, well, actually, you know, this one new thing came out. And they gave this exposition about hakel. The men come to learn, women come to listen, children come to give sachar for the mivi aim. And when Rabbi Yoshua heard this exposition, heard this teaching, he said to them, you had this precious gem and you almost deprived me of it. If I hadn't pressed you, you never would have told me this. And I would have missed out on this Marganisa Tava, 
on this on this precious uh, jewel. So the Meshachachma says, you know, every every Torah is a precious thing. But it sounds like Rabbi Yeshua was especially excited and especially moved to to hear this uh, this exposition about Hakel. And the question is why he would really he was like the, 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 there was this you had this gem you almost didn't tell me uh, it's like he's been reunited with a with a lost object you know he lost his his pearls and now now why was he so uh, excited about this and so moved by this? So says the Meshachachma, the answer to this Gemara in the beginning of Chagiga is the Yerushalmi in the beginning of Maseches Yevamos. Because there it tells us that when the, the young Tamil Chachamim, Rabbi Yeshua among them, they went to visit Rabbi Dosa. And when Rabbi Dosa saw Rabbi Yeshua, he became very emotional. He says, I know you from the very beginning. Because, because when, when you were yet a baby, your mother would bring your cradle and put it next to the Beis HaMedrash so that as a baby your ear should hear, could hear words of Torah. And he was very, again, very moved to see how this, this who initially a baby has now grown up to become a Tamna Chacham, says Meshachachma, so now you understand why, why it was such a special thing for Yeshua to hear, because, because what are you saying? You're saying that when people bring children, it's a special schar for them. And, and part of what that means now is that it has an effect on the children. They don't yet understand. But they, but they hear sounds and they absorb. And as we know, the sounds, even on young children, it can make a big difference. And that happened to Rabbi Yeshua himself. So this exposition that when the parents bring the children, it's a sahar for them, that's describing his mother. Because that's what his mother did for him. She brought him as a baby. And, and this is now the sahar. That's the marganisa tava, the special pearl. And, once, and, and here too, you can take a gemara. And, and uh, they didn't tell him at first, and they did say it, and, and he said it's a special pearl, and we said it's very nice. I also think it's a special pearl. But, of course, the more we, we know, and, and, and who better to guide us than Meshachachma in terms of all the relevant parts of Torah, what you didn't see in the Gemara in Chagiga, you'll fill in from the Yerushalmi and Yavamas, and then it all comes together. You get a sense of why he has such a personal connection, because it's really in tribute to his mother what she did for him, uh, and that and that is uh, certainly to be termed Marganisa Tava. So we'll leave it over here for this evening. Mr. Hashem will meet again next week to discuss matters of Rosh Hashanah. Haba Aleinu Latova. All the very best. Good night and a wonderful weekend.